You are listening to Matter of Theology, a podcast production that deals with church and cultural issues from a biblical standpoint. We stand firm on the sufficiency of Scripture, hitting every topic with an open Bible and the boldness to say things that others are afraid to. And now, here's the host of Matter of Theology, Chris Huff. Here we go, here we go. Welcome to another edition of Matter of Theology, the place where theology matters because everything is, all of life is a matter of theology. Matter of Theology is a podcast production that stands for the sufficiency of scripture. Uh, And it seeks to show how scripture sufficiently applies to everything we think, everything we say, and everything we do. Yes, there's some redundancy there with the word sufficient, uh, but it's needed, especially in today's world. Uh, My name is Chris. I am one of your hosts Uh, on behalf of the Christian podcast community, the Bar Podcast Network. That is the Biblical and Reformed Podcast Network. We're grateful that you've chosen to tune into this episode, and uh, we pray that you are doing well and that the truths of God's word applied by the Holy Spirit continue to form you and conform you more and more into the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We um, uh, glad you're here. Uh, a few things, uh, a few things to note just before we get started um, as far as the content in today's episode. Um, uh, just wanted to remind you all that uh, Matter of Theology does have um, an apparel store. If you guys are interested, uh, it is on Bonfire. The link to the store is in the show notes. You can check that out as well uh, as um, our uh, co-host Drew Vanita, his podcast for life and godliness, the for life and godliness podcast. Um, you can also check that out out and uh, the Christian podcast community. Um, There's a ton of fantastic Christian podcasts there. Um, The Bar Network as well. And, uh, and coming up uh, this fall, this episode's being recorded uh, in February of 2023, but uh, this fall, uh, coming up in October, we have the G3 National Conference. Uh, it is that time again for G3, and um, so that, that conference will be in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and so you can head on over to g3men.org, that's g3men.org, and check that out. Um, and I do um, have a code you can use. It's not for matter of theology, but it is for just thinking. (laughs) So it's G3JT and you do get 30% off of, uh, of the ticket price. So, um, uh, so yeah, so check that out head on over to g3men.org. Um, and, uh, Lord willing, we will be at the G3 conference in October. It just depends on what October brings. Um, but the plan is to try and be there. Uh, of course, just like with, uh, with the last few, uh, conferences, uh, for G3. So, uh, so check that out. Um, I believe that's everything as far as announcements go. So let's get into today's episode. Um, on Sunday, February 5th, 2023, recording artist Sam Smith and Lil Nas X took to the platform at the Grammy Awards. And of course, the Grammys are touted as music's biggest night. Um, and they were asked to perform a song. And uh, this is a hit song, evidently, um, and uh, by the world's standards. And the song is entitled Un. Holy, um, uh, and admittedly, I'm 
I'm unfamiliar with the song aside from uh, portions of the song that some add to their videos on social media. Um, it's very catchy. It's got a good beat. It's got a good hook. The lyrics complement the beat very, very well. It is crafted in a way um, to get stuck in your head. And um, I mean, it's very, very simple. And um, some of you know where I'm, I'm going to go with this, but I mean, I even found myself this week preparing for this episode and reading over some of my notes and after seeing some of the clips of the performance of, you know, you just can't help, but the tune gets in your head. The song is crafted that way. Um, keep that in mind for later. Just put a pin there. Keep that in mind for later. Now, and uh, Sam Smith, uh, Lil Nas, and there was somebody else who performed it with them. Forgive me for not knowing their names, um, but they're, they're talented artists and they're performers. They know how to work a crowd and they, they did that. Um, now why I, I didn't watch the Grammys, um, this year and, and I used to, we used to, uh, my wife and I used to watch the Grammys. Um, and, um, we haven't, we haven't, I was trying to think back and remember when was the last time that I actually watched the Grammys and it was well before, uh, my son was born. Uh, so it's been a minute and, um, and, and back then it was, and I kind of sound old when I'm saying that right back then, back in my day. But back then when I, when we watched it, I mean, it was more about the music and the performances and, and celebrating the, the artists who, who, man, just did a, did a fantastic job at their job as entertainers. Um, but it's just become a, nothing but a massive virtue signal and political ad. And, and as we saw on February 5th, 2023, it just an outright display and celebration of sin and lunacy. Um, I did see, uh, a roughly 10 to 15 second clip of the performance and I, I turned it off after that. I, the clip was longer, but I turned it off. Um, I, I, I didn't want to see it. And there's, to be honest, there's no professing believer in the Lord Jesus Christ should desire to see, um, what took place on the platform. Um, and, and so there's, and if you don't know, um, don't go watch it. Don't go look it up. I'm going to tell you what you'll see. You see Sam Smith, who is a professing, practicing homosexual, um, and his team, if you want to call it that, um, dressed as Satan and demons and all sorts of other things, singing a song entitled unholy and performing it as one would expect, considering, you know, who he is, what his lifestyle consists of, and the time we live in. So again, my advice to anyone listening to my voice right now is to not go look it up and watch it. Trust me, you will thank me. Um, during the performance, or, or right before the performance, excuse me, um, Sam tweeted some pictures of rehearsal and uh, talking about how epic this performance was going to be. And CBS whoever runs CBS's Twitter account um, commented on it and said, that's right. We, and I quote, we are ready to worship. True words, <laughs> true words. Uh, that tweet has since been deleted. Um, the reason that the tweet has been deleted has not been explained, but I think we all get it, right? And we all get the point of the tweet and the point of the comment. Um, and the point is, yeah, yeah, the world is worshiping the ruler of the power of the air. That's what the scriptures teach. Ephesians 2. 
uh, verses one through three. And by the way, um, if you're new here, uh, we we read from the uh, leg. Well, I do. Uh, Drew reads from the New American Standard, but we read from the Legacy Standard Bible. That is the preferred translation of Matter of Theology. Um, you can head on over to read.lsbible.org. That's read.lsbible.org, or head on over to 316publishing.com to pick up a physical copy of the Legacy Standard Bible. No, they don't. They do not sponsor us. Um, but I uh, love the products that they're putting out and love the translation. It is my preferred translation, the one I go to. Uh, anyway, so so yeah, uh, here we see Sam and we see um, the crowd, a lot of people in the crowd. I saw a video today, a snippet of Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck standing during the performance and Affleck looked like he's in pain. I'm like, I get it, man. I get it. <laughs> but for different reasons, but I get it. Um, but keep in mind too, and, and, and this is going to play into where we're going later, that sitting in that crowd are Christian recording artists. Um, you know, uh, I know for a fact that Maverick city music was there. Uh, I want to, and I'll just shelve my comments about Maverick city for right now. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, I mean, Maverick City is there. Chris Tomlin's there. Um, and, um, you know, we don't know if they got up and walked out. We don't know what they did during that performance, right? But they were there. Um, and um, and so, so you know, we, we see the world celebrating the ruler of the power of the year. And again, that's Ephesians 2. So let me read that. Ephesians 2, starting in verse 1. And this is Ephesians 2, 1 through, 1 through 3. Um, and, and scripture says, And you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all also formerly conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, desiring, uh, doing the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. That's Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And that's exactly what we saw. Um, we saw um, the, 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 those who are sons of disobedience, those who are uh, by nature children of wrath. At, uh, we saw the, some of the rest, some of the rest. Um, they're celebrating the ruler of the power of the air. And, you know, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and as those who love his word, we should study his word and examine all things against the backdrop of God's word. All things. Um, things in our lives personally, things in the lives of our churches, things in the life, the, the, the life of the church, the universal church that we see that we're connected to, um, and, and the things that are in the world and the people that are in the world. Um, and, and brothers and sisters, the world isn't trying to hide it. They hate God. They hate him just like the scriptures tell us the world is consumed with the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life those in adam are consumed by those things those in adam as paul said in ephesians chapter 2 are conducting themselves in the lusts of their flesh doing the desires of the flesh and of the mind that's what scripture tells us. And haven't we seen countless examples of just gross, grotesque, open hatred of God and a love of Satan many times, many times over the past few years? Um, 
as of the recording of this episode, the State of the Union Address just happened. There were members uh, of our elected officials in our government wearing abortion uh, lapel pins. Um, we've seen we've seen the whole you know the 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 unadulterated murder of babies in the womb sacrificed on the idol of pleasure um, and of comfort. We we see that celebrated. Um, and it's, it's, it's heartbreaking to see it really is, uh, Satan and his ilk and their influence have been prevalent within the unbelieving world since the fall of man found. And we find that in Genesis three, those not in Christ, those who are still in Adam are of their true father, the devil. They are wrought with the fruit from the father of lies. And I, and I get that from John chapter eight, verse 44, when our Lord said, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature for he is a liar and the father of lies. Uh, th- this is what we should expect to see. Um, and indeed, it is what we have seen from the unbelieving world. They hate God. They hate the truth. They love lies. They love the flesh. That's what they love. They hate God. And 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 it's so obvious. It's so obvious. It's In fact, it's so obvious that as Dr. Stephen J. Lawson likes to say, even a blind man could see it. I can, I can hear Steve saying that as I'm saying it. Uh, and I hope we can all see it. I hope you can. Um, I know I can, and I know countless others can. Uh, Satan himself, as well as his demons, are one of the greatest enemies we face on this side of eternity. One. Our own flesh and sin are the other. And and we've been talking about sin on, on Matter of Theology. Uh, part two of the doctrine of sin is coming soon. I would say uh, uh, you're hearing this. Or, well, I'm recording this in February. I'll be heading to the Shepherds Conference in the 1st of March. Uh, Lord willing, I will have that episode done uh, and out before I head to the Shepherds Conference. So, but um, um but yeah, I mean, the, the two greatest enemies, and I'm going to say this probably a couple of times in this episode, so forgive me, but it's a needed reminder. Satan himself, his demons um, are one of the greatest enemies we face on this side of eternity. Um, and the other is our own sin and our own flesh. Um, and, 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 I, and I get that, especially the first one from Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. The Apostle Paul says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, brothers and sisters, those people that are in the world, those people that are in Adam, those people that are um, uh, lusting after the flesh and those who are uh, controlled by the ruler of the power of the air, those who are of the father of lies, they are not our enemies. They are our mission field. And, and, and we, we, we uh, were given this commission, this command, this charge by our Lord Jesus Christ. And we see that in Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24. We are to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, calling them to repent, Luke 24, 47 says, 
and teaching them to obey all that he commanded, knowing that he is with us always, even unto the very end of the age. And in this charge, in this command, in this commission, um, there are consequences. And we've seen these consequences. Um, These consequences are nothing new. The world will hate us as well. And this should not surprise us, or to use the words of the Apostle John in 1 John 3.13, do not marvel, brothers, if the Lord hates you, or if the world hates you, excuse me. (laughs) Do not marvel, brothers, if the world hates you. Um, Don't don't be surprised at that. Matthew 10.22 and Mark 13.13 are almost identical. And they say this, and this is our Lord, and you will be hated by all because of my name but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. John 15, 19. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Hates you, active, hates you. Um, we, we know from first Timothy chapter four, that in later times there will be some who fall away from the faith that, and again, we know from first John that if they fall away from the faith, they never, they were never a part of the faith, but they will fall away by paying attention to deceitful spirits and the doctrine of demons. That's first Timothy four, one and two. So we should expect that we should expect the world to hate us. We should expect the world to hate God. We should expect the world to celebrate the flesh. We should expect the world to celebrate their true ruler. That's what we should expect. And we should operate accordingly. We should operate with compassion, with kindness, with patience, with humility, with grace, and with boldness in our physical and verbal proclamation of the gospel of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and pray the Lord would save and sanctify. What's interesting as well um, is, uh, and this was, this was pointed out to me by uh, my brother, our brother, Chris Hanholtz. He and I were talking about this and, uh, and he brought up the point. He said, you know, unbelievers like Sam Smith, they're just being true to who they are. They're just being true to their nature. They're walking in step with who they are as they are apart from Christ. And, and you know, when it comes to the unbelieving world, uh, we know, according to the scriptures, We know who and what we're facing and what our command and charge is. And therefore we, we go right. We, we, our desire should be to fulfill our desire should be to see the Lord fulfill the great commission in and through us. And so we operate accordingly. So brothers and sisters, the mission field, the mission field is not the greatest threat the church of the Lord Jesus Christ faces. What we saw on February 5th, 2023 should not marvel, surprise, or shock us. I mean, it, it should break our hearts. Absolutely. It absolutely should. And, sh- and we, should, we should voice that. We should speak that. Absolutely. I could not agree more with, with, um, with some of the things that I've seen people saying. But as I started thinking about this, um, there's a bigger issue. There's a larger problem and there's a far greater threat to the evangelical church, the professing church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the real threat, 
the greatest ploy and threat the enemy uses is not what we saw at the Grammys. It's not. Paul, the Apostle Paul, and uh, in, in speaking to the church at Ephesus um, in Acts chapter 20, laid the threat out. And here it comes. Ready? Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 27. Paul said, For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. He's speaking to the elders among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Now I'm going to pause right there for just a second. Like, I mean, in context, Paul is writing to the leaders, the elders at the church at Ephesus. But this applies to each of us to be on guard for ourselves, to be on guard for our brothers and sisters. Um, and, um, but, but specifically, specifically, let me address pastors and elders for a moment. This is a, a, a direct charge, um, to those who, who have been called to lead Christ's church, to shepherd the church of God, which Jesus Christ himself purchased with his own blood, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That is a serious, serious charge. Paul goes on in verse 29. He says, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Did you catch that? From among your own selves, from inside, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. So there it is. Those savage wolves. Barus lukos in the Greek. Those two words. Barus is, is heavy, violent, cruel, unsparing, severe, imposing. And then lukos, cruel, greedy, rapacious and I love that word. I didn't honestly when I was when I was preparing for this I, I saw that word and I'm like what does that mean? <laughs> what does that word mean? And it, and it's like an an aggressive greedy grasping. You know, if you, uh, you know, I have a, uh, he's seven now, uh, a, a little guy and, um, and you know, he's learning to control his emotions and just like all of us did when we were little kids, sharing can be a difficult concept for us to learn. And so if we want something, we're going to take it, right? And we're going to take, and, and, and when we're that age and well, sometimes now, uh, we, we take it with some, some aggressiveness in a rapacious way. And so think about it like that. I mean, an aggressive, as quick as you can, you're grabbing it. It's mine. That, that the, Those kind of cruel, greedy, uh, rapacious, evil, destructive wolves. And they will speak perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Our Lord used a similar expression in Matthew chapter 7. He said, and starting in verse 15, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous, robbers, extortioners. That's what that word ravenous means. They're ravenous wolves. So did you catch what, what he said in verse 15? Beware of the false prophets, false teachers, 
false apostles, false pastors who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Whew, man, there it is right there. There it is right there. And if you do have your copy of God's word open, keep Matthew seven open. Cause we're going to be back there in just a little bit. Okay. But, but, but Jesus, our Lord is saying, beware of these false prophets. They may look like sheep, but inwardly they're nothing but ravenous wolves. And that wasn't the last thing he had to say about false prophets. We're not going to get into all that in this episode, but, um, if you want a good resource on that, check out the book, Jesus unleashed by Dr. John MacArthur. Um, fantastic book. Anyway, little plug there. Um, so the real problem, the real threat are the wolves, the real problem. And the, the, the greatest threat are, are when these wolves come in and they are spreading the doctrine of demons and the teachings of the enemy. And, and, and then this teaching is prevalent among Christ church. These wolves come in in sheep's clothing among in Christ's church, and they are disguised, scripture says, as angels of light. So I have a question. I have a question for all of us, and I'm asking myself, I've been asking myself this question since since I've been kind of thinking about this and praying through that. Who's more dangerous? The devil you can see. The devil you see celebrated. Or the one who's in disguise. The one who's lying in wait. Who can cause the most damage? right? The one walking across an open field in broad daylight or the one lying in wait under the cover of, of, uh, in disguise under the cover of night, seeking and searching for someone to devour. Who's more dangerous? Those blatantly rejecting God through their hatred and love of all things concerning the flesh, the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, or the one disguised as an angel of light saying they represent and saying they speak for God, but, but end up doing nothing but giving people false hope and a false assurance of eternal salvation. Now that term angel of light that comes from second Corinthians chapter 11 in uh, verses 13 through 15 uh, when Paul said, for such men are false, false apostles, deceitful workers, dis disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, verse 14, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, verse 15, therefore it is not surprising if his ministers, Satan's ministers, also disguise themselves as ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their deeds. Second Corinthians 11, 13 through 15, Paul obviously nails it, nails it. Deceitful workers, people who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ, but it's no wonder Satan does it disguising themselves as ministers of righteousness. You know, it was the German reformer, Martin Luther, uh, who said this in his commentary on Galatians chapter one concerning false gospels. He said, uh, he said, quote, when the devil sees that he cannot hurt the cause of the gospel by destructive methods, he does it under the guise of correcting and advancing the cause of the gospel. 
He would like best of all to persecute us with fire and sword, but this method has availed him little because through the blood of the martyrs the church has been watered. Unable to prevail by force, he engages wicked and ungodly teachers who at first make common cause with us, then claim that they are particularly called to teach the hidden mysteries of the scriptures to superimpose upon the first principles of Christian doctrine that we teach. This sort of thing brings the gospel into trouble. May we all cling to the word of Christ against the wiles of the devil, period. Close quote. Amen. Martin Luther. Are we not seeing this today? We are. And, and, and here's the hardest part. Despite the Lord's warning in his word penned by the apostle Paul, the majority of the false teachers in today's professing evangelical church have been willingly invited in by those who say they've been called to protect the very purity of and to shepherd Christ's bride. Remember the church bought by Christ's blood, Paul said in, in, in Acts chapter 20. There's the, there are those who have sacrificed the clear commands and examples found in the Bible in how to lead his bride on the altar of being a man pleaser. Listen, listen to how the 17th century, 17th, can't talk, 17th century, that's kind of hard to say, uh, English Puritan Thomas Brooks stated it in his work entitled Seven Characteristics of False Teachers. So Thomas Brooks says this, quote, false teachers are man, men pleasers. They preach more to please the ear than to profit the heart. They handle holy things rather with wit and dalliance than with fear and reverence. False teachers are soul undoers. They are, they are like evil chirurgeons that skin over the wound but never heal it. Flattery undid Ahab and Herod, Nero and Alexander. False teachers are hell's greatest enrichers. Not bitter, but flattering words do all the mischief, said Valerian, a Roman emperor. Such smooth teachers are sweet soul poisoners, period, close quote. Whew, did you catch that? False teachers, they're, they're men pleasers. And, and Thomas Brooks did reference Galatians 1.10 and 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 4. You guys can go look that up on your own for time. I'm not going to read those verses. And then he said, they preach more to please the ear than to profit the heart. They handle holy things rather than with wit and dalliance. Now, dalliance, by the way, that's like a romantic, playful come on. They teach holy things rather with wit and dalliance than with fear and reverence. Yeah, that sounds like some false teachers that, that I've heard for sure. And I'm sure you have as well. So the man pleasers. Um, ravenous, savage, severe wolves. They've been invited in. And in most cases, they've, I've said it before, they've been invited in by those who, who, who have given themselves the name pastor when scripture recognizes they are nothing of the sort in their church. Um, when really scripture only recognizes them as being apologists for the enemy rather than that of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I said something uh similar to what I'm about to say now in, in our episode that we did entitled Reckless Love, Reckless Worship, Take Two. And I, and I believe it, it bears repeating and revisiting. And I said some of the effect of, you know, the, the, the whole of, of the Western evangelical church is, is sick. Um, 
and they've allowed it to be done with themselves. They've been infiltrated by wolves that have infected Christ's bride with the disease. And I said in that episode, dare I say, a venereal disease. As they have joined themselves with harlots bent on prostituting the bride of Christ for sordid gain. And these wolves, they've infected Christ's bride with the doctrine of demons, and they've done throw that they, they do so, you know, through the songs and the music and through using biblical language, but but twisting things and leaving things out. We're going to get to that here in a minute too. Um, and um, they've been invited in, and you know, there there is a sincere lack of true biblical courage and leadership from uh, from from those who have given themselves the name pastor. They are those who, J.C. Ryle said he um, in his letter, Pharisees and Sadducees, he said there are those who have a morbid fear of controversy. When truth draws a hard line, it has to. And so when these wolves peddling this damning teaching are found out, there are so many in the church uh, who still accept them because of unity or peace. And, and they refuse to, to call them out and to say, no, we will not participate in these unfruitful works of darkness because of erring on the side of grace, quote unquote. Um, you know, they won't hold people accountable. They won't seek to protect and equip the flock and how to be alert and to be on guard or watch out or stop listening, whatever you want to say. So um, Dr. Burke Parsons. He's the uh, senior pastor of St. Andrew's Chapel in Sanford, Florida. He's the chief publishing officer for Ligonier Ministries and the editor of Tabletop Ma- Table Talk magazine. And he said this in an April 2018 issue of Table Talk. And this is a little bit of a longer quote, but stick with me. He said, quote, throughout history, the enemy has raised up many false prophets and false teachers, but perhaps never before in history has the church itself raised up so many of its own false teachers, parading them and welcoming them into their homes and churches. False teachers abound on many of the so-called Christian television networks and books by false teachers fill the shelves of so many so-called Christian bookstores. And while many Christians are rightly concerned about the growth of religions such as Islam, the greatest threat to Orthodox Christianity is not other religions, but false teachers who creep into the church unnoticed. False teachers, still, this is still Dr. Parsons, false teachers creep into the church not because they look like false teachers, but because they look like angels. They disguise themselves just as their master Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. When false teachers attempt to creep into the church, they typically don't look like wolves because they wear sheep costumes and use some of the same language that the sheep use. They regularly quote scripture, and they are often able to quote more scripture than the average Christian. False teachers are not always argumentative or divisive. Often, they are some of the nicest people we know. They usually creep in not with scowls on their faces, but with big smiles. They don't normally creep into churches and teach obvious heresies and falsehoods. They they usually subtly question the truth and teach partial truths. And they are not always identified by what they actually teach, but by what they leave out of their teaching. They often speak of Jesus, salvation, the gospel, and faith but they twist the words and concepts of scripture to fit their own versions of the truth, which is no truth at all. They typically don't 
attempt to creep into churches where the word of God is preached boldly and passionately in season and out of season, where the people are eager for the sound preaching of the scripture and are growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Rather, they usually target those churches where people are indifferent to doctrine and apathetic about the preaching of the word of God, period, close quote. That's Dr. Burke Parsons. Um, And uh, wow, nail on the head, nail on the head. So, so here's my point. Here's the whole point. And here's the thesis of, of, of this episode of MOT. I find it interesting and heartbreaking that there are so, there were so many who were very quick to jump at the opportunity and rightly so as it's wrong on so many levels for the love of the devil to be so brazenly you know, celebrated in the way that it was. But, but they were so quick to share what took place at the Grammys on February 5th, 2023 concerning Sam Smith's performance and concerning, you know, uh, just this shouldn't happen and we shouldn't allow this and, and everything else. But all the while they're singing songs on the Lord's day in the Lord's house written by Jesus culture. They're singing songs written by Bethel Maverick city music who was at the Grammys. And I haven't researched much into this, but evidently they, they did a performance with somebody they probably shouldn't have from what I understand, but Hillsong elevation um, and others who routinely consistently blaspheme the name of God by what they teach. The doctrine of demons. There, there were those who were so quick to jump on this and share and share this. Yet they affirm by by either sitting in the churches or um, not calling out the error um, uh, privately or publicly. That's that's up to you. Of of an Andy Stanley or a Bill Johnson or Chris Valentin or Brian Johnson from Hillsong or Stephen Furtick or Rick Warren and, and or others. It's, it's interesting to note and it's heartbreaking because what happened at the Grammys is not a threat to the church. It's not a threat to the disciples. These false prophets, these savage ravenous wolves, they are the threat. They are the threat. You know, what's funny too is, is each of the aforementioned music groups, do exactly, remember I said put a pin in this, think about this at the beginning, they do exactly what Sam Smith, Nas, and whoever wrote that song, Unholy, what, it's exactly what they do when they write their songs. They write the songs, they, they craft the songs purposely with chord progressions, ups and downs, highs and lows, builds, crescendos, with the purpose of stirring emotion. That's how they get you. They want you to get all up in your feels and not really, not really engage the mind and think about what you're singing and think about what the scriptures teach. That's the point. And sometimes they'll even use biblically correct words to deceive what Thomas Brooks calls simple souls. They join in. And with what we see from, from the, the, the lips of the serpent, because they are of their true father, the devil, 
They're twisting. They twist God's word. And again, to deceive simple souls, um, Thomas Brooks, back to that, 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 that wonderful work uh, written by Thomas Brooks, 17th century Pur- uh, English Puritan. He said this, quote, listen to this, false teachers cover and color their dangerous principles and soul impostures with the ver- with very fair speeches and plausible pretenses with high notions and golden expressions many in these days are bewitched and deceived with things such as illumination revelation deification fiery triplicity and etc as strumpets paint their faces and deck their per- their per- excuse me let me repeat that sentence as strumpets paint their faces and deck and perfume their beds, the better to allure and deceive simple souls. So false teachers will put a great deal of paint and garnish upon their most dangerous principles and blasphemies that they may better deceive and delude poor, ignorant souls. They know sugared poison goes down sweetly. They wrap up their pernicious soul-killing pills in gold, period, close quote. And Brooks, yet again, hits the nail on the head. Our brother and friend, Costi Hinn, uh, pastor of uh, Shepherd's House Church in Arizona, um, and uh, author of a few fantastic books. If you're not familiar with Costi, get familiar with Costi. Head on over to For the Gospel for the gospel.org, uh, check out, uh, some of his stuff. And, um, but he said this in a May 6, 2022, um, blog entitled six ways to weed out wolves. He said this quote, the greatest threat to the church is not the blowing winds of culture from the outside, but false teachers who infiltrate from the inside. Those who look like sheep, but are wolves seeing a pattern here. Those, those posing as shepherds, but are charlatans. These false teachers will most certainly be conduits of cultural ideologies while at the same time spewing licentious lies and exploiting people with their greed period. Close quote. Mm. So I have questions for us again, myself included. Where's the biblical discernment in, you know, from, from what we see taking place in the world by those in the world and from what we hear from the aforementioned groups and people, pastors, speakers, and musicians, you know, as Dr. John MacArthur was asked by our brother, Justin Peters in an interview that, that Justin did with John at the shepherds conference in 2022 for Justin's YouTube channel. He, he asked John, he said, what's, what's, um, what's one of the greatest threats to the church today? And Dr. MacArthur, I will never forget this. He took a breath and he said, an abysmal lack of biblical discernment. So where's the discernment in being able to go, <laughs> Yeah, that's that what what Sam Smith did and and these open grotesque brazen celebrations of the enemy and sin um are what they are. Yeah, it's awful. It's heartbreaking. But why can't we why can't we see uh the false teachers? Now listen, I'm what I'm not advocating for. I'm not advocating for what I've been accused of in the past, and that's to be heresy hunting. I'm not talking about having a 
sinful, critical spirit where you're looking for the fault in everything. What I am talking about, and I've said it multiple times, we've said it multiple times since matter of theology has been going, but to be a Berean. And if you're sick of hearing me say be a Berean, well, how about something else? How about a fruit inspector? Okay. Um, now this is where, you know, I've named names. So this is, <laughs> this is where there will be those who, you know, infamously quote Matthew 7, 1 by saying, Chris, the Bible says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. However, that's where they stop. So a good response, by the way, when someone tells you that is to say, keep reading, keep reading. You know, we read Matthew seven fifteen earlier, but starting in verse 16, our Lord says, you will know them, the false prophets, the savage wolves, the ravenous wolves, you will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every fruit, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. To know them means you've got to examine them and you've got to examine yourselves. Dr. John MacArthur said this in the 2013 book, Strange Fire. Great book. I'm rereading that right now. He said this. He said, quote, only that which holds up to the scrutiny of scripture can be embraced. While that which falls short must be confronted and rejected. Nothing less is the duty of every pastor and teacher. Listen to this, as well as the responsibility of every true believer. Period, close quote. Did you catch that? It's the responsibility of every true believer. We're told, we are told in 1 John chapter 4 to test the spirits. Check this out. 1 John 4, 1 through 8. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you have heard that is coming. And now it is already in the world. That spirit of Antichrist is in the world. You are from God. Verse four says you are from God, little children and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world hears them. We are from God. The one who knows God hears us. The one who is not from God does not hear us. From this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. Amen. Man, that's first John chapter four, verses one through eight. So back to strange fire for a minute. Um, in the book, strange fire, Dr. John MacArthur lists five questions, five tests, five principles that we could use when testing the spirits, right? Testing um, ourselves, but then also testing what we see, what we hear, 
Um, and, uh, and so let me, let me give those to you. And, um, and what I'm going to do is we're not going to unpack each one. I may say a little something about each one, but for the sake of time, um, I just want to give them to you. I'm, and I'm, I've written these down, um, and they are actually now in the front of my Bible as a reminder, as a reminder to me to examine my own self and my own life. And, um, first and foremost, and anything I say and do, does it reflect these five tests, these five principles? Um, and in the book, Strange Fire, what Dr. MacArthur is referring to is, um, is, is, uh, he was talking about John, Jonathan Edwards and the great awakening and Jonathan Edwards using first John chapter four, one through eight to test what he was seeing during the great awakening that was happening. Um, but man, these, these, these five principles are phenomenal for all of us to keep in mind. So here they are. And I'm going to give you the principle and then some, some scripture references to, to go and, and, and to look up and to research on your own. Um, so Dr. MacArthur says this, he's at number one, here's the first test. Does the work exalt the true Christ? Does the work exalt the true Christ? And I like it that he said true because that's, that's crucial. That's important. Um, and a modern example of that would be Bill Johnson. Chris Valentin and Bethel, um, they do not teach the true Christ. They teach a canonic Christ. They teach a Christ that to, to, to them, and if you listen to them explain it, he laid aside, he gave up his divinity. Christ, Jesus Christ, Hebrews tells us that it is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so whatever the work is, it, it must exalt the true Christ. That is the main ministry of the Holy Spirit, by the way. The Holy Spirit does not magnify himself, but elevates Christ. So a couple scripture references of, of this. Does the work exalt the true Christ? John 14, 26. John 16, 14. Colossians 3, 1 through 17. Number two, does it oppose worldliness? Does it oppose worldliness? 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Um, I, I think of uh, the apostle Peter talking about waiting for the new heavens and the new earth. I think about the apostle Paul in Philippians reminding the Philippians that, that we are citizens of heaven, our Lord, um, uh, in, in the sermon on the Mount, talking about treasures in heaven, building up treasures in heaven. Um, uh, and, and, uh, first, so first John two, 15 through 17, um, uh, Colossians three, one through five. We're going to get into that a little bit more here in a minute. Um, but does it oppose worldliness? So number one, does it exalt the true Christ? Number two, does it oppose worldliness? Number three, does it point people to the scriptures? Does it point people, does the work, does, does what you do, does how you live, does what you say, um, does it point people to the Bible, to the scriptures, to the inerrant, infallible, sufficient word of God. Uh, I think of Christ's words in John 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Uh, Colossians 3, 16 through 4, 1, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Second uh, Peter 3, 14 through 16 talks about being on guard, accepting the scriptures. Uh, Psalm 19, 7 through 14, the whole chapter of Psalm 119. <laughs> um, the apostle Peter, again, talking about the more sure word that we have in the scriptures. Brothers and sisters, false teachers will not point people to the scriptures. 
And, uh, and if you bring the scriptures to them and try to show it to them, they will tell you that you're being a legalist, a fundamentalist, and or uh, you are demon possessed. I've heard that as well, which is crazy to think about that, you know, using the scriptures to, to anyway. So number one, does it exalt? Does the work exalt the true Christ? Number two, does it oppose worldliness? Number three, does it point people to the scriptures? Number four, does it elevate the truth? the truth. First John 4, 6, we just read it. From this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Does it elevate the truth? Does it uh, promote telling the truth, being people of truth, period, period? So, Number one, does the work exalt the true Christ? Number two, does it oppose worldliness? Number three, does it point people to the scriptures? Number four, does it elevate truth? And number five, does it produce a genuine love for God and for others? First John 4, 7 and 8, we just read it. Beloved, let us love one another. For, the love, for love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. So those five principles, and you can find them in the, in, in strange fire. And Dr. MacArthur takes, I think two whole chapters to go through all five of those, um, and to unpack them in great detail. Uh, so check that out. Um, if you've never read Strange Fire, you need to. Um, I'm going to put a link to uh, in the show notes to the Strange Fire conference. So you can go listen to those messages because they were phenomenal. Um, but, uh, but use them as a guide. Use them as a guide. I know I am. So, um, so you know, I'm, I mentioned earlier that there are two great enemies that we face on the side of eternity. One, we talked about Ephesians 6, um, the, the enemy, the demons, the spiritual evil forces that we, we can't see and, and sometimes we see manifest, right? The other is our own flesh and our own sin. And, uh, and brothers and sisters, may we all exercise uh, discernment and focus when it comes to killing the sin in our lives, all of the sin and the desire for sin um, in and through our lives. Uh, it's um, the desire to commit evil sin and evil desires. The desire to commit them is a sin. Scripture tells us in the book of James that that's where sin begins is in the, in the heart. Mark, I'm just, I'm reading through the book of Mark right now. Um, just read in Mark seven, uh, Jesus talking about the heart, what comes out what comes out is what defiles them, not what goes in, no, what defiles a man, not what goes in. Um, so we, may we exercise discernment in that. And how we do that is by obeying passages of scripture like Colossians 3, 1 through 5. And I mentioned that earlier in the five tests, right? But, but Paul said, therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life is manifested, then you will also be manifested with him in glory. Therefore, verse five, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, which is idolatry. Um, you know, my good friend, Daryl Harrison, um, director of digital platforms for grace to you and co-host of the just thinking podcast. He said this in a tweet on February 6, 2023. He said, quote, an irony of the satanic themed Grammy awards video is that it raises questions in my mind anyway, about the kind of media and entertainment we as professing Christians 
watch and listen to that, though perhaps less blatant and overt, is no less spiritually detrimental to us. Period. Close quote. Amen and ouch. It's <laughs> a great point. That's a great point, right? I mean, yep, we see that. We see what Sam Smith did. We understand why that's wrong. But let's go watch X, Y, or Z. Let's go listen to A, B, or C. Um, when what we're listening to or watching, the entertainment that we may or may not consume, though perhaps less blatant and overt, is no less spiritually detrimental to each of us. We have to keep that in mind. That's a great point. So in closing, we as uh, professing believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we must remember how scripture admonishes and exhorts us in our situational awareness, our, our situational discernment and how it speaks about the enemy. You know, in, in Peter's first epistle, when exhorting and admonishing the elders among them, he gives them this admonition and this somber warning in, in chapter five and verse eight, he says, be of sober spirit, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, you know, be sober in spirit, nafo. It, that, that, that expression in English is nafo in, in the Greek, and, and it's to be calm, collected, temperate, alert, be alert, eyes up, eyes up, stay focused, know your Bible. And then when he says, be watchful, Gregorio, be awake. Be vigilant, give focused attention to. So be alert, give focus attention. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, he prowls around. He wants to destroy you. He is seeking someone to devour and he is crafty and he is shrewd. And there are those to whom he has, um, he has allowed, there, there are those he has infected in the church, these savage wolves. So brothers and sisters, the greatest threat the church faces is not what we see in the worldly culture and the worldly systems. It's not. It's not a performance on the Grammys. Now, I will say this, the church isn't supposed to look like or adopt aspects from a world system that hates God, loves the flesh, and celebrates the ruler of the power of the air. Instead, we are to glean our frameworks and focus our orthodoxy and our orthopraxy from the living word of our almighty God. One of the greatest threats and the church's greatest threat, and I agree with Dr. MacArthur here, is an abysmal lack of biblical discernment. When it comes to the wolves masquerading in sheep's clothing, those who entice unto temptation by using and twisting God's word, destroyed, distorting the truth to their own destruction, Second Peter 3, 14 through 16 tells us. That's the greatest threat to the, to the visible church. The greatest threat to the visible church is not the mission field. It's not the, 
not those people who need Christ. Those to whom we've been called to love and to reach and to give the greatest news, the great news of the gospel of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. That's how we respond to those people in the world. And we do so. We do so by standing on God's truth and by lovingly not being too proud to beg those in our sphere of influence to repent of their sin and confess Christ as Lord. Have you done that? If you're listening to my voice, do you know him? Does he know you? Those, those five tests based on 1 John 4, 1 through 8, can they be said of you? Or are you still lost in Adam? Are you still of your father, the devil? Well, if that's the case today, I would beg you and I would implore you, repent and turn to Christ. Repent of your sin, put your trust in and confess Jesus Christ as Lord. And then as believers, we, we, we then come to the Bible and we devour what the scriptures teach what the scriptures teach concerning the character and the nature of our God so that we may know him, his attributes and seek after holiness in light of what he has done for the elect through the completed and ongoing work of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. I want to close by heading back to Dr. Burke Parsons from his excerpt from the uh, April 2018 edition of Table Talk magazine. Dr. Parsons says this. He said, quote, the surest way then to prevent and stop the spread of false teaching is for Christian leaders and lay people, pastors and parishioners, teachers and learners to be committed to the sound preaching of God's word and to contend earnestly for the faith once delivered to the saints. Only then will false teachers be recognized for who they are and the sheep of Christ be protected from error all to the end of living quorum Deo before the face of God, for God's glory, according to God's unchanging truth. Period. Close quote. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Matter of Theology. We love you. We'll see you on the next one.